Welcome, and thanks for joining me today on Mortgage Manager Playbook, a podcast for sales leaders who want to improve their team's sales performance and originate more loans. I'm Pat Sherlock, your host. Today's topic is launching a technology change strategy, so important in our business for sure. And I have the perfect expert, Jennifer Fortier. She is a principal at Strathmore. She is the expert in all change initiatives for sure, especially on the back office side, on the sales side. And I'm thrilled to have her today to talk about this important topic. Hi, Jennifer. Hey, Pat. Thanks for having me. Well, this is such an important topic, but before we leap into it, talk about how did you get into our world of mortgage banking? I know that you were uh, in it for really uh, a long time. Yeah, it's been about 25 years now. And like everyone else, I didn't plan it. It just sort of happened. Um, it, I guess it was about in my late 20s when I got into the mortgage business. Um, I had graduated with an industrial technology degree and worked for a manufacturer while I was getting my uh, my MBA. Uh, after I got my MBA, I bounced around a little bit, did some work uh, for a broker dealer, some work for a, a contractor for the Department of Defense, and finally found my way to a local lender who was looking for someone to head up their technology initiatives. And I was just technical enough to get that job and go in and help those lenders. One of the first things that I had to do there was to migrate to a new loan origination system. And I will tell anyone that is the best crash course in the mortgage industry there is. So I got hooked, uh, did a little bit of work in secondary marketing for a few years after kind of transitioning away from the technology side and then moved into the consulting space. So that's kind of the, the history of my background. Well, there's no question that you've seen everything. <laughs> so going back two decades for sure. Um, so talk about what trends do you see playing out for the rest of the year? This has obviously been a challenging year for mortgage lenders. Yeah, you know, I think we're I think we're all painfully familiar with with the challenges around production and housing supply and, and coming down off of that refi boom. It's been really tough and also having to adjust to the remote work and how is that going to land? And um, so it's been a lot of moving parts for lenders and, and it's a tough, it's been a tough time thinking about trends going forward. I think there's, there's two trends um, and, and one, you know, you, you focus heavily on the sales side. One is for lenders to balance. How do I continue to grow business, create a, you know, a viable sales force when we have all this pushback of the environment with the limited supply and the limited production. So, so that's a little, that's a tough spot. I, I don't envy lenders trying to work that out. The other trend that I'm really seeing, which kind of impacts the, the whole workflow from, from end to end is lenders focusing on technology. So they're really looking at how do we use what we have a little bit better is what we have really paying off for us. I'm really getting strategic about that, which I'm glad to see, even though it's it's happening under maybe not the best of circumstances, I think it's a really good outcome for a lender. So I think that's going to continue as a big trend. So when we look at the big picture, and this is certainly talking about, you know, the, the end of the year, but talking about the next, you know, four to five years, how do you see this? Do you see the back office being replaced with really artificial intelligence or any of those types of technologies that there's been lots of discussions about? 
So it's such a big question right now. And we, we at Strap Moore had an insights article about just that recently. And it, it was an interesting debate to see people kind of bouncing around. Um, I don't think we're going to get rid of the back office anytime soon. I think theoretically, you could say AI could do the bulk of that work. I just don't see it coming anytime soon. But I do see a lot of improvements in technology and a lot of ways to use it in process. I think we're still in the early stages of figuring out how to do that really well. Um, but I think that that trend is going to continue. But I, I see it as complementing the, the back office, not replacing. I think we're going to be a while before we replace them. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good point, and I do think it's it, it is a lot of PR, uh, but certainly it is issues that lenders need to address. So let's jump into, especially you have seen that all of these things from change initiatives, but let's talk about the technology change initiatives. What is the right way to do this? Because so many lenders kind of do plug and play, and they really haven't thought about the grand scheme. So talk about what you see. So that is what I see. I see a lot of, you know, the what they call the shiny object syndrome, which is sort of an unflattering way to put that. But you have lenders who are really kind of almost desperately seeking better ways to do things. And there's this promise in technology and lenders want to be tech forward. They want to be modern. And there's been historically sort of a rush to buy these new projects products. And I think sometimes the thought is if we're the first ones out, we'll have that little bit of edge. Um, you know, if you think way back to when point of sale solutions were fancy and, and super modern, if you were the first one out with that, you had an edge. Now it's table stakes. You, you kind of have to have one. Um, so I think lenders look for what's that edge? How can I get in front of technology and use that as a competitive advantage, which is a great thing. But the counter to that is lenders have learned it's not quite as easy as you think to uh, to incorporate that into your process and really realize the change. And I had one lender tell me years ago when we were looking at buying a new LOS and he, he was really starting to wrap his head around how complex that transition is. And he said to me, sort of half joking, I thought we would just stick the disc in and install it. And, and I think that that feeling has, has lasted for lenders. You look at software and you think you can just kind of buy it and install it and it's going to do these magical things. Um, what, what I'm seeing today is lenders are starting to kind of get wise to that. They're not seeing those benefits. They're not happening automatically. There's a lot of time and energy and thought that has to go into it. So to answer your question about, you know, how do you do change management correctly? Um, I think there's a million ways to tackle it, but I think there's a few themes that would benefit any lender. One, I would say, is to think up front about how you're going to incorporate this into your process. I've gone through this with a number of clients recently where we're thinking about new technology, whether it's automation suites or um, you know, some sort of integration for an ancillary service, just anything across the board. And I see lenders whose tendency is to want to just do a demo and look at a system and say, that one looks the nicest and that's the one we're going to buy. And then we'll figure out how to make magic once we own it. Um, but I'm seeing lenders start to think about how that's maybe not served them well in the past. And instead, to really think hard upfront about, I see the features in this solution and I need to think about it before I buy it. 
need to think about how I'm going to um, incorporate that into my process. So I think that's the big one. one of the first big ones is think hard and, and try to do a lot of discovery work and a lot of thoughtful planning about when I buy this product and understanding its functionality, how is it going to incorporate into my process? And is that really going to give me the benefit I, I expected? So that's the first big thing. The second big thing I think is, you know, everybody's biggest problem is adoption. Uh, we hear that consistently from our clients and in our workshops, that adoption, how do you get people to adopt this? And it's sort of like the planning and analysis that you have to do when you pick a solution. You then have to look at where are we going to hit an obstacle? Um, is it going to be just cultural? Is it going to be old habits die hard? Is it going to be, um, well, I'm actually presenting my user a new obstacle um, and that's going to detract from them wanting to use this solution. Are there ways that I can force users comfortably, not uncomfortably, but comfortably <laughs> force users to use the solution? In other words, there is no other way. And if, mm -hmm. you, if you do that, if there is no other way, you, you got to execute really well. Um, but I think those are the two big pieces. And, you know, it sounds simple to just say there's two things to focus on, but they are two very hard things to focus on. So when you look at all of the projects that you've worked on, and certainly you've worked on many of them, uh, and what is the time frame for the thinking hard part? And what's the time frame for the adoption in the real world versus what lenders might think? It depends so much on the solution, the scope of the solution and, and the lender themselves. But I can, I can speak to some of the factors that will be at play. Um, some lenders just tend to move really quick. Some tend to move very, very slowly. Mm -hmm. So a lot of that is just cultural and habits. But if you say, I'm going to buy a new appraisal management solution, I'm just pulling that as an example, um, and I want to go out and look at what's out there, sort of the steps that I would take is first, let's really look at what's driving you to want that. We call those key drivers. What are your key drivers? Why do you want the solution? And what's the outcome you're hoping to get from it? That is, you know, depending on the size of the stakeholders involved in the selection process, you know, that should happen in a matter of weeks. Um, I've seen it take months for lenders, but for something as narrow as our example, an appraisal management solution, I'd say in a month, you should have a pretty good documented statement on why you're interested in this, what you're hoping it does for you, what kind of functionality you're looking for. Um, then it is researching solutions. So you got to find out who's out there. You want to watch some demos. You want to score those demos. So you're going to look at maybe three, four, five solutions and bump that up against your key drivers and your requirements that you've kind of developed in that early phase. That can take a while because it's hard to get demo scheduled. It's, you know, vendors schedules and lender schedules and getting all that coordinated. Often there's follow-ups. You kind of make that first presentation. You don't get all your questions answered. So you have some follow-ups. That generally takes a good while. Um, I would say you know, for something like that solution, maybe two, maybe three months on the outside. So we're, you know, we're at three to four months right now. And then there's just wrapping up your analysis and making a decision. So this is where you start to look at costs. Hopefully you're doing a little bit of ROI, ROI analysis to the best you can so that you understand, you know, is this is this actually saving you money or is it something you're willing to spend money on because you, there's some intangible benefits? So there's a little bit of that analysis and then presenting it to everyone and everybody decides what's the right, best 
next course of action. So I'm, you know, four to five months for a solution like that, I think is reasonable. Um, but I've seen some lenders move faster and then I've seen others take a year and a half to make that decision. So it depends a lot on, on the, the scenario. So Jennifer, when you look at technology change initiatives, let's say, let's look at the back office first, and then let's look at the sales side. And so the back office, is that an easier type of transition more so than the fr- on the sales side? Or talk about what you experience on both sides. So it's another one of those, it depends, very <laughs> unsatisfying answers. <laughs> um, I think it's a little bit easier if you're actually solving a problem for the back office. Mm -hmm. If you give them something that can make life a little bit easier and faster, and I don't have to go to so many screens or call so many people, or I can work a little bit quicker, a little less stressed. um, I think they are ready to adopt those types of things. You'll still have some that are, you know, I mean, I still find people who print out underwriting packages and sneak them in the filing cabinet. So, you know, (laughs) you always, you have always got those folks, but I think overall, I the back office tends to be more open and ready to adopt. I do find, I'll caveat that a little bit, maybe lenders could improve helping them adopt because I think it's often, you know, we'll put this product out there, we'll train you on it, good luck, and nobody follows up. And a year later, you find out they're not really using it or there's so many workarounds. Um, so you do have to have a good protocol in place to follow along and reinforce. And, you know, you do the training, you let them get their hands dirty a little while, you do another training and they have a different perspective. So, you know, that how well the lender does reinforcing that adoption um, is, is a major factor. But I would say back office is easier than sales. And the, the, the issue in the sales side is, you know, when you think about it from the sales perspective, they're commission based, they're, you know, they drive their income and we're kind of messing with their approach. <laughs> you know, so sure. sales folks tend to have a really like, this is the way I do things. This is my rhythm. This works for me. Don't mess it up. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm striding along. Uh, don't bring me this new tool when I'm trying to just do what's been successful for me in the past. So for that reason, I find the sales side um, I would say, I would say significantly harder to, um, to introduce new technologies and processes to. And, and that said, you know, sometimes you got some folks that'll jump right on it. But from my perspective, I often see technology out there that I say, anyone would want this, anyone. Mm-hmm. Like, what, do you still want your flip phone or do you want the iPhone? And you think they'd take the iPhone, but no, they, they love that flip phone. It fits in their hand perfect. And, you know, they've had it for five years and 10 years. And you know, so you always find those folks. And I just find that's much more common on the sales side. And I do understand why. So what percentage of the sales force would you say that ends up happening? Because that leads to my next question. Why do you think the common thinking within what I see in the mortgage industry is that technology really hasn't reduced the cost to originate? So talk about what what you see that is why this happens. I agree that it has not really reduced the cost to originate. And I think in many cases, it's made people's jobs harder. and not not unjustifiably so, but but I can see being a salesperson why you'd say all this technology has not made things easier for me. Um, a lot of the technology that's been applied has been 
because you kind of have to, right? So we have TRID, which introduced all kinds of new things that we um, want to happen in the sales side, you know, around getting feet perfected and things like that. Um, so that's sort of a, a thing I have to do. And maybe there's a new piece of software to do it. I, I have to do this feet thing, this feet engine, whether it's integrated or not, it's another thing for me to do. Um, I didn't have a choice. So there's a there's an example of introduction of technology that doesn't, you could say it benefits the lender, the, the loan officer, because, well, now you don't have to hand do everything and call the settlement agent. But to the loan officer, I don't think it feels that way. It just feels like another piece of software because they haven't had haven't had to live through the alternative. Um, so I think that's part of it. Some of the software is here because it has to be. Um, and then others are should be an advantage and, and they just aren't. Again, I think it just messes messes up people's rhythm um, if it hasn't been introduced in a way that we kind of talked about earlier where you make it, this is the only way to do it um, and you execute very well on creating that process. Uh, that would be a reason for a salesperson to not want to, or any person to not want to adopt. Um, so I think, you know, it's, there's a lot of angles to that problem, which is why it's so difficult. So that raises the question from my viewpoint, and you and I have both been in the industry for a long time. And I would say many years ago where the uh, mortgage lender, especially the large ones, would develop their own technology. But what really has happened from my observation, and of course you live this every day, is that is that the lender has really outsourced it to third-party vendors, and the third-party vendors may not really understand the mortgage business. So what are your thoughts on that? There's so much variation in how lenders with proprietary systems approach that. So some build their own, you know, from scratch, and then they're going out to find the best, we call it best-of-breed approach, to find um, ancillary solutions that they can attach to their core system and kind of build an entire ecosystem. You know, that's one way they do it. And you have other uh, lenders who are, what you're alluding to is, I'm just going to basically get somebody else to do this work for me. Mm -hmm. um, I think the challenges are the same, um, whether, and but maybe to different degrees for, for different aspects, but the challenges are the same, is how do I integrate this into my process? Mm -hmm. How do I control the cost? How do I make sure the the outcome or or the the production of it is good? Is it coming out on time? Is the quality good? It's all those same problems are still there. I know I know there's a there's a, a desire to look to outsourcing things to kind of fix those problems, but other companies have the same problems as well. So it's not it's not a given that you can give that to someone else and expect them to perform better than you might. Um, you know, maybe maybe there's good cause for that. But I personally like to be the master of my own domain when I can. So I would want to control that. Uh, but for some lenders, it may make sense. So if you look in the big picture going out again, as I was asking before, um, and what technology do you see that you think uh, is something that really maybe lenders aren't using enough of or or uh, the issue of that you see this being almost a game changer? Well, um, so 
I think we talked about AI earlier. Let me step back a little bit. I think we as an industry, probably we as humans use kind of throw around the term AI loosely. I think, you know, there's AI where the machine does the thinking for you. And then there's automation where you have Mm -hmm. like business rules and processes that kick off when a certain event triggers that. Um, I think where we are as an industry is we have a lot of opportunity around automation. I'm not I'm not as convinced on the AI side, but on the automation side, I think that that's where we need to go as an industry. Um, It's not widely used now. And I'm thinking of these things that, you know, evaluate conditions, underwriting conditions, Mm -hmm. um, automation around issuing disclosures. We have lenders starting to get interested in that, um, but it's not widespread, Um, you know, automation around things like issuing, um, conditional approval letters and issuing final approval letters and those sorts of things. I think that's where we need to be looking. We have not had a lot of adoption. I think the cost is still a big obstacle for a lot of lenders. And then effectively incorporating it into the process is the other big obstacle. Well, yeah, it certainly raised a lot of really great points. And I do think that this topic needs to have more discussions. I'm going to have to have you come back and talk about trends more because I do think lenders, certainly what I see, even when the automation would have been really effective for them, they, they for whatever reason, don't they don't really move to the step of actually using it. I thought it was interesting that even when Fannie Mae came out with day one certainty, the usage was only like less than 10%, so which is rather frightful when you think about that. Yeah, that was a that was a very promising uh technology that didn't just quite play out as as hope as we all hoped. It it, it felt like the right thing, but it just hasn't it, it hasn't had great results. <laughs> right. So Jennifer, is there we only have a couple minutes left. Is there anything else that you want to share, some takeaways for our listeners today? I think the big takeaway is you know if you do one thing, I would just encourage you to mock up a process before you put new technology on it. You know, we're, we're focusing on technology and change management. Um, so in that space, mock up your process and really be clear on why you're buying it. And then after you mock it up, you know, how would, how would it look if I bought this thing, <laughs> understanding how it functions and did I really achieve what I was looking for? And I think, I think that might be really eye opening for a lot of lenders, either they'll maybe not, pick a solution after all, or they'll deploy it in a different way. That would be my one big, please do that. You'll serve yourself well if you do. Well, they can also call you. That's the other side to it. So to talk about it. I like that idea a lot. Yeah, we want them to call Jennifer. And I want to thank Jennifer for sharing her wisdom. And I want to thank our listeners uh, for certainly hearing, listening to our podcast today. The podcast can be found everywhere podcasts are available. And you certainly can catch up on all episodes at mortgagemanagerplaybook.com. Thanks so much, Jennifer. Thank you, Pat. Thanks for listening to Mortgage Manager Playbook. You can catch up on all our episodes by subscribing to receive each week a new show. Don't forget to share this podcast with your friends and team members. If you're looking to increase production, call me to discuss my prospecting sales training program, Ramping Up Realtor Referral Sources. Check out my website, www.patsherlock.com.